On this episode of the Ministry of Motion Pictures podcast. One Christian from Texas who invested millions of dollars in films, uh, I, I looked at it and made like a million seven. I, I said, you know, this is pathetic. And he said, oh, no, I, I didn't need the money. I yeah. said, I know you don't need the money. You're the richest guy in Texas. But, you know, money is just a measure of how many people you reach. So if you only right. reach. You know, if you only made a million seven at $10 a ticket, that's 170,000 people. That's probably all your best friends in, in Austin, Texas. So when do you reach more than 170? If you make 10 million people, that's only a million people in a country of 360 million people. You're listening to the Ministry of Motion Pictures podcast, where we call filmmakers of the Christian faith to cinematic excellence, bold storytelling, and sound theology. I'm writer-director and your host, Todd Schaefer. Before we get to our guest, I'd like to share with you why it's been a few months since I've posted a new episode of this podcast. Since the spring, I've been supervising the animation of two tentpole feature films for two different major studios, and these are going to hit theaters next summer in 2021. And when they release, I'll be able to say more about these projects. This spring, their schedules overlapped in such a way that my workload overloaded. And it's only now that I've been able to get my head above water enough to tackle a podcast that's been sitting on my computer for a while. I have quite a number of new guests lined up, and they've all been graciously waiting for my schedule to clear. But these podcasts may continue to have spotty releases until next spring when my workload regains some normalcy. Now to our guest, and what a guest we have. This gentleman has been an undying champion promoting the Christian faith and values in Hollywood for almost five decades. His name is Dr. Ted Bear. Now, you may know Dr. Bear for his organization, Movie Guide, which provides movie reviews, entertainment news, and a great many more things, which we'll get to shortly. Dr. Bear is also actively involved in equipping Christian filmmakers to work in Hollywood and promoting their efforts through the Movie Guide Awards and the Kairos Prize for screenwriting. His book, How to Succeed in Hollywood Without Losing Your Soul, is a classic among Christian filmmakers. This is episode 42. I've done over 30 books, and now i got two books that I'm re-editing and two books that I'm writing, and then we got all the movie reviews, and then we have uh, you know, all the screenings that have to go on for, you know, because Hollywood streaming when we used to do just movies it's only uh, 250 to 300 movies a year we do 100 percent of the movies that open in 200 theaters or more and now with uh, streaming it's about uh, 100,000 so uh, we oh my gosh there's all the phone calls and all the interviews and all the people we're helping all the scripts we're reading and all the people's books that we, they want us to read and all the people's scripts that they want us to read and uh, 40 hours a day is not enough time <laughs> but it's nice to talk to you today. Yes, it's great to talk to you. How many people do you have staffed at uh, Movie Guide? Uh, we have 14. That's staff. a lot of work for 14 people. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, it'd be nice to hire 50,000 other people. But, yeah. uh, you know, I was head of a department at Berkeley and head of a department at City University of New York. So um, I understand what all this is about then. And people are highly productive. And, you know, some of the greatest work in the world was done by, you know, generals, George Washington and and then Nathaniel Green, who was a relative. And, uh, you know, just a handful of people defeated the British. So, And the British had too many generals and too many, <laughs> too many troops. And they yeah. spread them too thin, you know. So, uh, you That's know, true. You don't want to do that. 
you know, sometimes you want to have, uh, uh, you know, it's it's a good number. I mean, it's not a it's not a small number. It's a good number. Yeah. Um, well, that's good. But you know, we do a lot of work, and we teach classes and how to succeed in Hollywood to make money. And then I have Christians call me, and they say, "Oh, I'm making movies." And I say, "Well, how much did you make?" And they say, "Anywhere from a hundred thousand dollars to ten million." And I said, "Well, that's not even in the ballpark of what you should be making. You should be making over a hundred million." Yeah. And the next class we have, we've got a guy teaching who's made fourteen billion dollars his movies and in box office and royalties and. So we we bring the top people in Hollywood to help people get out of the Christian, you know, out of the minor leagues and into the major leagues. Because okay. uh, I, I grew up in the industry. My father was a star. He starred in 62 movies. He won the box office award in 36. My mother was a star, all that good stuff. And uh, so I've been in the end and I was a left wing communist and I still have a hard edge to me. And I'm now <laughs> uh, came to Christ at 28 after financing five feature films for Canon films. But it really it, it's all about the money. You know, in yeah. one Christian from Texas who invested millions of dollars in films, uh, I, I looked at it, made like a million seven. I, he, I said, you know, this is pathetic. And he said, oh, no, I did it for the minute. I, you know, I, I didn't need the money. I've yeah. said, I know you don't need the money. You're the richest guy in Texas. But, you know, money is just a measure of how many people that's you reach. Right. So if you that's only right. reached, you know, if you only made a million seven at $10 a ticket, that's 170,000 people. That's probably all your best friends in, in Austin, Texas. So when do you reach more than 170? If you make 10 million people, that's only a million people in a country of 360 million people. That's right. So, you know, they're... So we teach people how to make money, how to succeed, how not to lose their soul, how to work with distribution and all that stuff. But anyway, oh, wow. let's go for it. Is that online? Are those online classes or are they in person? No, I won't do them online. I was the head of the department at City University of New York, head of the department at Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, I'm online. I've, I've lectured to thousands in Korea. They put me in a big stadium. I got to go back this fall. But I'm more interested in taking eight people and uh, making them successful. And we've had some people go on to be the head of uh, one of the divisions of Sony. We've had people, not Rich Peluso, who you talk to. Um, so we've had people who've gone on to run studios. We've had mm-hmm. people who've gone on to, uh, to be at the top of Lucas. We want to get people who are really committed. The problem is that most Christians... Um, are satisfied with being in the minor leagues. So, yeah. we, we, you know, you can't fight with them. They, they, they think they've done well. I mean, I've got one guy and I said, you know, we analyze scripts for the studios and we do it according to 150 criteria. We look at the ontology, which Plato was concerned about, the epistemology. Mm-hmm. We look at all the semantics, the syntactics, all of these things. And we measure against all the numbers from the last, you know, 50 years. And, um, that we all the money numbers we've accumulated. Um, so the studios ask us, and uh, you know, Christians can't afford five dollars to get a better script. They make scripts and then they bomb and then they bomb again. You have founded Movie Guide in 1985, which is in print, it's now on radio and television as well as the internet. You're the chairman of the Christian Film and Television Commission, which sponsors the Movie Guide Faith and Value Awards and the Kairos Prize for Spiritually Uplifting Screenplays, which is a contest. You've offered over 30 books. You produce programs for PBS and other networks. 
You've been a guest on Oprah, Hannity and Combs, CNN, ABC, Fox News, MSNBC. I mean, everybody, it seems like. You've even spoken at the European Parliament, the Houses of Lords in the Parliament in the UK, um, the Parliament of Norway and various universities. You've written articles that have found their way into Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Time Magazine, USA Today, Washington Post, Hollywood Porter, and I, I could go on and on. You meet with major studios and execs regularly to advise them. You run all kinds of classes from script writing to how to succeed in Hollywood. Um, you know, it seems like the, the, the amount of things you're doing, just I can't plumb the depths. <laughs> uh, do, is that a fair introduction to you, sir? Sure. I mean, you know, we finance five feature films that launched Canon Films, which then bought MGM and uh, as head of the uh, TV departments at uh, Berkeley, a division of Berkeley and a division mm -hmm. UC Berkeley at uh, City University. And um, when I came to Christ, I went to a seminary in New York and I did The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe on CBS television, mm -hmm. which at the time in the country had 170 million people. We had 37 million people. And uh, so we've worked with a lot of studios. We've worked with a lot of people helping them to increase their box office and helping them to learn what good films are and uh, right. so all of that good stuff. So how could I help you today, Todd? <laughs> well, I would love to know your perspective on Christians and filmmaking and what you think about the, what, what's going on now in terms of faith-based uh, cinema. Um, well, I love what's going on now, but you know, the, if you look back at the past, because, you know, one, I've been in the industry uh, all my life and my mm -hmm. father was a star and he started in the twenties. So you can say that I've been in it for over a hundred years. Um, I'm 73 now and uh, my children are in it. Uh, but you look at the past, I inherited all the files from the, one of the church film offices and for the first 20 years of cinema, from 19, from 1895 uh, to about 1915, um, almost all movies were Christian or morality plays. That's mm. that's what it was, and um, uh, they they were that way because uh, people were looking for places to uh, to have theaters. And since you didn't have big theaters, churches became the big place for theaters. Mm. So. Uh, if you read the actual stories of, uh, of the people who, uh, you know, invented Hollywood, not go to film school because film school schools usually start in the 1910s. They don't start in the 1890s. But the first passion play was 1897. And the, then the next year there were three, uh, two passion plays and a nativity story. And then uh, during the 1910s, the movie the movie theaters the little upcoming movie theaters got angry that so many 60 percent of the movies were being shown in churches in fact if you buy a book called the silence of god uh silent as in silent movie mm -hmm. uh, by a good friend of mine terry linvall who got most of his yes. information from our files you see pictures in there of portable projectors that they'd erect in, uh, in churches, conservative churches all around the country. They put them up in, and so there's a picture of a ch big church in New York and still is going. And there they're putting up the portable projector and it took them like a day. <laughs> it wasn't as portable as we want, but yeah. they put it up, put it down because during the week they could show movies. So the theaters got upset with that. They uh, said to the movie, uh, you know, companies that, were emerging 
merged in the 1890s and some of them disappeared by the 1910s. Uh, if you want to show it in theaters, you can't show it in churches. So then you went through a period of debauchery from um, about 1917 to uh, 1933. Mm-hmm. And in 1933, the box office in America was just sinking. You know, you had the Great Depression, but it also the box office in English films. Alfred Hitchcock was in England at the time. Uh, German films, uh, Nosferatu and all those great German films, Metropolis and uh, all the great uh, were way beyond. So Jack Warner asked a couple of churchmen, Joseph Breen, Martin Quigley, Dan Day Lord, what he could do about it. And they said, well, you you." You know, you got to get a broader audience. I mean, they're, right now, today, when the churches decreased dramatically from the 1920s, it's still 125 million people go to church every week, whereas only about 23, 24 million people go to movies. So if the movie industry wants to reach people, it should reach that audience. Now, they do specialize in audiences. My wife's Argentine, so they make movies for the Spanish-speaking, they make movies for Chinese, they make movies for African-American. Tyler Perry movies reach that audience, and they only get over, they never get over 100 million. When I say, you know, we've taught Hollywood, when we started our work in Hollywood, there was only one movie with positive Christian content, and now it's gone up to over 60% of the movies with at least positive. It's not like in 1985 when, you know, the only priest was carrying a knife in his hand and stabbing people in poltergeist. Uh, But during the 1930s and 40s, you had a lot of great filmmakers, and of course you had a lot of Christian filmmakers before that. Cecil B. DeMille, a friend of mine, made a good documentary about him. And, you know, I knew his secretary and he was a wonderful guy. But he was the son son of a pastor who wanted him to go into preaching. And he said, I preach through movies. So he did King of Kings and, you know, the Ten Commandments is what we all remember today. But he had made that a couple of times. Uh, And with him, there were a lot of other people out there. Some of the biggest names in Hollywood were Christians making Christian films. So it's always been two tiers. Uh, to make it simple for you, uh, on one tier, they're the big name guys in Hollywood making big films that are Christian. For instance, the best uh, anti-abortion film that was made, made $490 million when it came out, and it's now up to $520 million. And it's an animated film called Boss Baby, and babies are created in heaven, and God's worried that uh, people aren't having babies, so he sends this little cherub down to earth, and the cherub confronts Satan, and Satan is trying to stop people from having babies, sounds like today. But it made a lot of money. And then there are always people working on a small level, you know, like our friends Chuck and Carrie, who who made, uh, you know, Unplanned and all these all these great movies. So it's always been a church audience, just like making movies for the uh, Hispanic audience. Unfortunately, many of the church audience never reach beyond uh, sort of a small segment of the church, yeah, uh, because they don't listen to the figures. They don't know how to reach the bigger church. When we did helped with, I just was using all my old tapes and things and throwing them out, but we helped with uh, Gettysburg and Gods and Generals and all those made millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And what we did with them is we marketed it to every major denomination. We marketed When I did The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which taught me how to market this, um, you know, we, we, we were getting the Baptists and the organization that I was head of was Episcopal, uh, which went south mm-hmm. and I left it. But anyway, the Episcopal Church had nothing and the Baptists were generating 60% of the money. And they, what they did is, well, we have a way, you know, we show people how to do it, where to do it, how to reach the audiences. 
which are much bigger. I mean, you got if you want to look at that big church audience, the Catholics are probably 69 million uh, every week out of the 125 million. So most people just co- focus on their friends in one little tiny area of the church audience. Yeah. And they don't know how to market beyond that. And I've taught some of the marketing people and they can do a good job. They've done a good job. Paul Lauer is one of my favorite. Uh, so you've got this two tiered system. You In the 40s, you had cathedral films. Uh, then in the 60s and the 70s, you had wonderful people like uh, the, the Methodists who, and a good friend of mine started Vision Video, but he did Shadowlands the same year that I did Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And then you had the Lutherans, which are making great films at that time. And most of the denominations had film divisions. You had Abington, you had Augsburg, you had all of this. So you've always had this two-tier system. And I'm proud of it because, you know, people say, well, why do you need, you know, let's say Alex Kendrick was my radio engineer at one point. I think he makes great films. Why do you need these films that are so Christian? Well, you know, the answer could be, why do you need Tyler Perry's African-American? <laughs> why do you need, uh, you know, Chinese films? Let's yeah, get sure. rid of Chinese and Korean films like Parasite. Let's get rid of all these films. What are you, crazy? I remember I was showing, uh, you know, the, Jesus and Nazareth in Houston, because I helped uh, talk Mel into putting a resurrection in there. And one pastor said, why do we need another Jesus film? We have the Jesus film. Well, the truth of the matter is, Todd, we've had, you know, up up to the year 2000, when we were counting and seeing all of them, we had over 150 movies about Jesus. And I've got a clips of them all in one little uh, two-minute streamer so people in my class can recognize who the stars were, like Ernest Borgnine, et cetera. And I said to this pastor, I said, why do we need another Jesus film? I said, you know, that's a great question now. Uh, why do we, we got Billy Graham. Why do we need another preacher? Yeah. That's that's sort of a, an encapsulation of of church film history. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's good. a great history, and there are great things to learn from them. You know, he who yeah. forgets history is doomed to repeat it. And yeah. great things to learn about how they reach, when they reach, what to do, and who you want to reach. And so, you know, and of, and of course, the big thing in films and television or anything else. I mean, Jeffrey Katzenberg is a friend and. I brought in the 19 theologians for Prince of Egypt, and he always returns calls within maybe eight hours, let mm. alone 24 hours. But mm. you know, he's done Quibi. And the other day, Jeffrey was complaining that because of the COVID, Quibi is not doing well. Well, that's yeah. exactly true. I had a friend who made Gordy a long time ago, and she put an ad out that the church wasn't supporting Gordy. Well, that's not true. Both of them are not good enough and you got to know how to construct a good film. So right. Quibi, Quibi, you know, a lot of the things are not only morally suspect, which is going to turn off the big audience, uh, but they're not structured. Mm. You know, most people in my class, when they take the class um, have trouble uh, just understanding basic concepts. Now, Todd, there are people who are natural born pianists, uh, but most people take practice. My father was on Broadway for years he was starring in, uh, in Whoopi, uh, Father of the Bride. You had a lot of songs in Whoopi. He was practicing in his 70s singing. And my favorite story is uh, 
you know, Norman Miller, uh, Mailer, who was writing the great American novel in the 60s. And mm-hmm. he was living in the village where I lived when I went to NYU school. So, and he hears this guy practicing the, the scales on the piano, you know, and he gets upset. So he finally goes upstairs. He's knocking on a broom on the ceiling. He goes up and knocks on the door. And he says, will you stop it? He said, no, I can't. I got I to do a concert today. And um, he says, well, I'm going to report you to the landlord. What's your name? He says, Rachmaninoff. Well, Rachmaninoff was in his 80s at the time. So I I wish the only thing I'd like, even if you decide, like Alex and Stephen have done, that they want to improve the Christian audience. We need movies for Christians. We need industrials for teaching people how to work in industry. We need commercials. Mm -hmm. We need all sorts of media. But each one has to be excellent. So I wish they'd learned, and, and Alex and Stephen have learned it, basic principles of yeah. filmmaking and learned that it's not just, you know, because you're inspired, it's because you practice. You know, right. You know, maybe 10% is inspiration. I used to be on the ski team at Dartmouth uh, about 50 years ago, and I came in third in the internationals. You're working all the time. It doesn't matter how much natural talent you have, it's how much you practice, how much you yeah. learn. So every great musician continues to practice. And if I could teach the church that I would be very happy. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, I work in animation and I've, I've grown up, you know, trying to develop my skills as an animator. I've, I've been around, uh, you know, these Disney guys and everything. They work their rear ends off to get to the, the abilities to, you know, to maintain the abilities that they have. Um, And, you know, it's, it's not, even if they have raw talent, the talent is undeveloped and it requires a lot of work to, to learn the craft. And uh, it takes fi- at least five years to get to a point for an animator where they're actually producing stuff that's consistently um, usable. Um, and then it takes years beyond that to get to the really good performances. So the same thing with any kind of art form, especially film, because it's such a, a collaborative art form where you got to learn a lot of things and know a lot of things in order to get all those pieces working together to make a really good story presented visually. You, you've got it. Now, do you know Phil Roman who started film Roman? Yes. I, I've, I've actually worked for him once a long time ago. I love Phil. And, yeah. and Walt, my, my uh, cousin was his right hand man for many years and mm. had great stories about him. Yeah. So and I was in the first crowd of people going into Disneyland when it opened. And I used to do the Walt Disney uh, Mickey Mouse Club commercials. And that put me through college. I paid mm. for my Harvard career. Was so yeah. <laughs> so I hate acting. But it, yeah. it paid for my Dartmouth career. So I shouldn't hate as much as I do. <laughs> so given this history that we have, uh, and, and correct me if this is a wrong question to ask, but... Um, There are no wrong questions. I was the head of a department at Berkeley. Believe me, you can ask any question you want. Well, my question has an assumption, and that is that Christians have dropped the ball in general on this mass media form of communication and entertainment, and we're struggling to get back into it. Yeah, um, I I tell you, I think that first place, uh, we tend to listen too much to the news media. Uh, and every time I get an interview, not with you, but, uh, you know, with USA Today or whatever, they say, oh, you know, uh, the Christian film fad started with, uh, you know, unplanned. It started with, uh, you know, courageous. It started with yeah. passion of Christ. Right. Now, that's because in news, 
the word new is important. It's got to be new. So the latest success, um, I can only imagine whatever becomes their taking off point. But the fact of the matter is, if you looked at Movie Guide, if you looked at our past winners, these, these things have been going on steadily for a long time. Now, is it a lot of people? Uh, probably not. I mean, the whole movie industry, <laughs> you were talking about the sizes, you know, used to be seven studios. Now it's five studios because yeah. one of them died and one of them is on life support. Yeah. So it's it's at the top of the uh, the line is not a lot of people. And... You know, I had a friend who was an editor with TBN, with uh, TBS, Turner Broadcasting. And after being the top editor, he got let go. Um, I don't want to use the word fire. And I said, this is so sad because we were in Bible study together. And he said, no, this happens every four years. When I get up to, you know, $120,000 a year, they let me go. And then I can get back to starting at the bottom, which is $19,000 a year. I said, well, why would you do that? He said, well, because they can hire a lot of kids coming out of school, so they don't need me. And I love editing. So it's my favorite thing. So I want to be hired. (laughs) Um, You know, and I've got to call Ron Maxwell, who directed Gettysburg and, uh, uh, you know, Gods and Generals in one of my Mm -hmm. other best friends. So there are a lot of uh, people that are at the top, but most of those people are very quiet. I mentioned Jeffrey Katzenberg, you know, once upon a time, um, I was at a a party with Jim Giannopoulos, who is the head of 20th and now he's the head of uh, Paramount. And Jim has a great Bible collection and cute kids and he's Greek Orthodox. He's a wonderful guy. And Jeffrey was there leaving at about nine o'clock. I said, Jeffrey, what, what are you leaving? He said, I always go to bed at nine 30. Uh, so the guys that are really the players are not the guys out there um, partying all night, doing drugs, right. et cetera. Uh, the top echelon are the people that, are, as you said, about the Disney animators. And yeah. that top echelon, most of the Christians don't know them unless they come to our gala, because these guys come to our gala. The guys who produced the biggest films last year came to our gala, and some of the top studio heads came to our gala. Um, and and those guys, uh, quite often, because my father was a star, don't want to meet anybody else. So you don't mm-hmm. know whether they're Christian or not. You probably never knew that Jim Giannopoulos, who did, uh, who's head of Paramount, had the biggest uh, you know, collection of Bibles that you could possibly imagine. You, mm-hmm. so you don't know who they are, and right. we make a lot of assumptions. So the, the, the point is, in a small industry, um, probably, uh, you know, proportionately, they're they're communists, they're atheists, they're Marxists, they're Christians. And so they're people that are doing extremely well in each one of those categories. So it's just like the world, real world. And what I tell my friends in Hollywood is if you look at the church through the eyes of Saturday Night Live, you see a little old church leading lady with an umbrella nagging you and saying, stop doing yeah. that. And, uh, <laughs> and the church, when it looks at Hollywood, sees somebody that you know, is is one type of Hollywood person, but not the others. And, you know, there's a famous video on Facebook now that is accusing everybody in Hollywood of perversity. Well, the, I know a lot of people who come to our gala who are just as solid as a rock. So uh, forget that. But it's yeah. like looking at the church and saying, every, just because somebody goes to church doesn't mean they're a Christian. Just because they're parked in a garage doesn't mean they're mm. a car. They, you know, it's all that stuff. Right. Well, I guess... Uh, I- 
I would, if, if the Christians were really dominating and owning the space, like I think they should have been, uh, I mean, if you look at uh, when Gutenberg came out with the printing press, then the, you know, the church got on that and owned that, that platform, that, that, that distribution, uh, or at least that press. Um, and they made their own way and place in that. But when we look at Hollywood, when, when film came and the cinemas came, uh, and then TV, we didn't really take possession of that. It doesn't seem because, you know, that we don't have any institutions or, or studios that are f- primarily driven uh, for Christian content and for, you know, because Christians, when you talk to Christian filmmakers, they're always saying, oh, we got the best stories in the world. You know, we, we, we should be dominating this, but th- we're not. And uh, oh, um, place, I think... Um Everything occurs in the movie industry in waves, okay? So you have a lot of waves that went on. In the 1950s, mm-hmm. when I was young, the baby boomers, you had um, everything from Quo Vadis to Ten Commandments to uh, A Man Called Peter. They saved the studios from destruction. They were all very Christian. You would have thought that you were, you were going to a cathedral when you walked into this. And then the baby boomers... In the 60s, grew up and the church uh, shut down its Protestant film office and movies went from 100 percent to what would have been G rated in 1966 to 82 percent R rated. Well, they were R rated because now in 1968, you know, all of us were uh, looking for love in all the wrong places and we were carrying on and we were protesting the war in Vietnam and I was leading them and, and we were teenagers. But then in the 70s, the late 70s, when we had children who were being born, you had another phase of uh, movies with strong Christian content. You had the Jesus film, which has reached 2 billion people. You had Jesus and Nazareth, which I helped uh, Vincenzo LaBella with. You had AD. You had a flood of Christian films at that mm-hmm. time. And then those kids grew up and they became teenagers. And, um, you know, this is the same thing I've told USA Today. So what the films do is they follow the demographics. And uh, if people would start having children, uh, the children, which they don't do anymore, uh, you could have a new rush of of family-oriented product. And there is now. There's more Mm -hmm. people starting G kids and all this stuff. So you're not going to just make pure Christian films. You're going to take some of them allegorical, some of them right. Christian oriented, some of them, et cetera. I mean, Jesus told parables. He didn't yeah. just uh, talk about the kingdom of God all the time. In fact, he talked about money more than he talked about the kingdom of God. So we can blame him. <laughs> but that uh, you need to look that this is driven by demographics yeah. and it's driven and the demographics are driven by psychographics. We're on one particular network with the movie God of Ward scale. And I talked to him uh, the other day and uh, two days ago, and I said, can you increase our fee? And he said, well, we do this is because we love you, we have a favor to you, but we lose a little audience before. And I know what this is like. I got a call from a friend of mine who was head of uh, Christian Broadcasting. He said that uh, the, the local 100,000-watt Norfolk, Virginia radio station wouldn't put on their worship service on Sunday morning. And so I knew the answer, but I called the head of the station. He said, look, I'm a Christian, but we're a rock station. <laughs> and as soon as we put on the radio, the Christian program, uh, we're going to lose all our audience. And so we can't do that. And then we have to build the whole audience again. And so the way they do it is psychographics. They look at the psychology. Tyler Perry is not going to end up making films that, that, uh, that betray his audience. 
Um, and Christians just have to be aware of how to make films that reach a broad audience. How do they yeah. do that? And there are Christians who know how to do that, but they're usually not in, uh, you know, uh, Regent or Liberty or whatever else. Although Regent and Liberty have gotten some good speakers there, including me. Uh, they just, you know, they're, they're isolated. You know, Hollywood occurs in Hollywood. It doesn't occur in Virginia Beach. Mm. And if you want to understand Hollywood, you've got to be in Hollywood. You've got to, you've got to understand the people. Um, and you've got to be in touch with them and in touch with the pulse of the audience. Right now, everybody's worried, what's the audience going to want as soon as the theaters open up again? Streaming for the first couple of weeks of the shutdown, everybody was going to streaming and now streaming has dropped off dramatically. So as you follow the trades, the last couple of articles have been, and now the streaming companies, Hulu and Netflix and everybody are worried that why the streaming dropped off. It's all demographics. It's all demographics. That's why we do our detailed analysis of the box office. And we look at those demographic and psychographic and spirographic figures. And we look at what that means in terms of what people want to see. And the trouble is a lot of these people, they say, well, yeah, I know that, but I want to make a film about my aunt Clara who had a miracle in her life. And I said, well, maybe aunt Clara's film is not, you know, it's the best miracle that anybody could possibly imagine, but it's not appealing to a broad audience. That's right. Have you ever thought of, taking movie guide and using movie guide as a streaming service. Well, we're doing kids corner. So we have a place for kids. Mm, films, and we're right. doing movie guide premiere, which has some older films and, you know, safe Haven. Um, but, you know, for years we avoided that because well, frankly, one reason we avoid it is because we don't want to be in competition with uh, our, our missionary group. Our yeah. missionary group is the people in Hollywood. And i talking to them all the time. Uh, in fact, you know, just like talking to the head of that network, I talked to the uh, biggest producer on that network today to invite him to teach at the class in, uh, in June. And, uh, and you know, he's, anyway, he's his own man. So, but I talk to him and try to get him uh, to help us. And I can't be competing with him. I don't want to be competing uh, you know, with these people, I want to implement what they're doing, help them yeah. with what they're doing and help them to move what they're doing in the right direction. One of the biggest family networks uh, had a long talk with me the other day and he said, what about putting in uh, some alternative lifestyle? And he said, our marketing person said he was hurt when uh, another network dropped a commercial that was alternative lifestyle. And I said, well, that's all well and good. But, you know, all those people have the, the Lifetime Network and they have other networks. Mm-hmm. The fact of the matter is the reason that you're reaching 90 million people is because you have an audience and you've got to be yeah. true to that audience. And then I told him a lot of stories about people who said, well, we're just going to try to get more people by going. I said, you're not going to get more people. You're going to lose the people you have. You know, that one network that you're talking about lost 20 percent of its audience. Yeah. So you got to think in terms of the marketing and the business of Hollywood. Yeah. In the 1930s, the IRS asked the Writers Guild, what did you want to be classified as an art? Because it is artistic. Your animation is art. Or as a business. They said, we don't want to be classified as an art. 
And oh. the buyer said, what do you want? We're in business. We're the entertainment industry. We want to have, you know, the unemployment insurance. We want to have all the government uh, benefits. We want to be classified. We want to have unions. We want to, have to be classified as a business. It is a business. Mm-hmm. If you want to make art, I took studied yeah. at Columbia University Film School, and my uh, lead professor was one of my favorite people, and he painted on film. That's the way he did film. <laughs> won a lot of awards. Uh, and it took him years to paint each frame of film. You can imagine what that was like. And of course, it was very beautiful and very artistic. But you're reaching about 10 people. So yeah. that's not a business. That's art. So movies and television tend toward art in one direction. They tend toward communication in another direction, propaganda like this lecture mm-hmm. I'm giving. And they tend toward uh, you know, business in another direction. So there may be people that are uh, hardcore leftists who want to reach the major audience. So you don't see that in their movies. Even Oliver Stone, who I helped find, finance his first film when he made um, Path to 9-11, it was one of the most uh, wonderful. He, no, uh, Cyrus made Path to 9-11. When he made World Trade Center, it was a very Christian film. It was totally out of context for him. But he was oh. reaching a broad audience. So it wasn't his... Um, he he left his politics on right. the floor of the cutting room to make a movie that would reach a broader audience. Okay. Where do you see Christian filmmakers um, finding a place in, you know, exercising their craft in terms of creativity and that sort of thing? Uh, well, writing stories. Is there a place, you know, yeah, first, for direct spiritual first gotta, stuff? First, you got to read my book, How to Succeed in Hollywood Without Losing Your Soul. <laughs> And I've got some of the biggest names in Hollywood redoing it. And the head of Disney, you know, put his material in there and the head of Warner. Oh. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of the top people. It was written about 10 years ago. I'm updating it right now. But I answer that question there. The first thing you have to ask, and I was lecturing for the governor in uh, North Dakota uh, about five years ago, and they they wanted a film industry, just like Georgia and everybody else. Now, the film industry, that's another story. If you can ask me about that, I'll tell you why it moves from one place to another. I said, how many people live in North Dakota? I think he said about 60,000. I said, that's less than live in my town outside of L.A. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and if you're going to make a couple million dollar film with taxpayer money, and you're going to reach people with North Dakota films, you've got... Uh, 60,000 audience at $10 a ticket, it's going to be, you know, $600,000. You're not going to pay for the film this way. So what is your audience? It's probably better at that point for the governor to take a limousine and drive by and say hello to everybody personally. So how do you reach your audience? With What tool is the best way to reach your audience? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what are the neat means you need to reach the audience? And I would like Christians to do this. I mean, these are Yeah, I can give you a lot of advice on reaching the bigger audience. But the most important thing is maybe you're called to do, um, you know, church films like Stephen and Alex Kendrick. Yeah. And, you know, Alex used to be my radio engineer. When I was head of the TV department, City University of New York, we made uh, the students uh, made a, a book review program, and they had James Earl Jones, who had a great voice, a wonderful guy. He was starring in The Great White Hope on Broadway. They had him be the voice, and we made it for maybe a couple hundred dollars an episode in the City University of New York, had a lot of studios and stuff. And then 
Years later, I met a man who was doing the big book review show for PBS, and he had a million dollars, and he had Harry Belafonte and Harry Belafonte's daughter, and they were spending a million dollars, and they were flying, but it wasn't much better. So the question is, who do you want to reach? Maybe you should just think, I really feel called to reach, um, you know, evangelicals or charismatic reform. I need to help them with their theology, help them with their perspective. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those Lutheran films were absolutely excellent. There's nothing wrong with that, except for the negative nabobs who sit and say, oh, he's just reaching, you know, the Methodists. Well, forget it. Right. Maybe they need that. They're an audience. They're part of an audience. So, you know. Yeah, so uh, Tyler Perry, well, let's all go up to Tyler Perry and say, why are you making African-American films, you idiot? Yeah. You should be making broad audience films. Right. Forget it. I mean, there's just, it's, it's a loony perspective. So first thing is know what God has called you to do. Right. And then how do you reach that audience? And how do you train and study yourself approved so you can successfully help that audience to understand a deeper truth. Mm. That's good. What what are some major problems that you see that Christian filmmakers are doing? What are some of the big mistakes Christian filmmakers are doing? Just learn your craft. Yeah. Dr. Bear, I thank you so much for taking this time to to spend with me and um, share your your perspective on this. And we'll be let me know when your book comes out. When it's revised, I'll, I'll promote it then as well. Great. You're very kind, Todd. Thank you for listening to me and have a beautiful day. You can find Dr. Bear on the web at tedbear.com. That's T-E-D, Ted, B-A-E-H-R for bear, tedbear.com. And you can find him also at movieguide.org. Links to his numerous books and other resources are in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Ministry of Motion Pictures podcast. You can find us on the web at ministryofmotionpictures.org. And you can help support us through Patreon. What we do in life... Echoes in eternity.